So how many of you, just by raising your hand, how many of you enjoy flying on commercial airlines? Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. How many of you despise it? Yes. Yeah, there's more people who despise it. How many of y'all have never been on a plane? Oh, okay. You know, what's interesting about, um, about a plane is that it, it, it's, it's pretty crowded. At least the last few one, a few uh, uh, airlines that I've been on, it's, it's, it's really, really crowded. And, um, and I remember uh, as we were flying with, with one, of, um, uh, one of the trips we were on, and one of our, ch- uh, our children um, was, uh, who w- w- will remain nameless, is really, really small, really, really little, and, um, and he needed to go to the bathroom, all right? And so, um, really bad. And you know those carts, if you've ever been on a plane, those carts, they take up the entire aisle, right? And if you, and if you, you try to get by it, you can't. You have to climb seats or whatever. And so uh, one of our, one of our uh, sons, when he was little, uh, had to go to the bathroom, and that cart was between our seat and the bathroom. And he went to the bathroom. <laughs> he was trapped. There's nothing he could do. He just felt trapped. We felt really, really, really sorry for him. I remember one time flying in a, and it was a really crowded plane, and, and I'm usually, you know, a little bit, running a little bit behind as, as normal in flights. I've actually missed a couple in, my, in the past. I'm not proud of that at all, but I've just given it to the Lord. You know, Lord, I wasn't supposed to go on that flight, you know. I just say it like that. But I remember going on one flight, and there's a lot of people, a ton of people, and the stewardess said, okay, your seat is back over here, and she showed me the aisle and, and stuff, and as I was walking closer, uh, you know, there's, there's three seats uh, side by side in, in each sort of uh, row, and I, I, the aisle that I was supposed to sit on, I can see that there were just two seats, because I couldn't see the third one, the middle one. And so there was a, a great couple. I got to know them. And, and the Lord ha, has blessed, the Lord blessed them physically. Like just, they were, they were, they were large people. And so um, they were sitting in the outside seats. And, um, and I was supposed to sit in the middle seat. And I couldn't see it. And I was like, um, I think I'm supposed to sit there. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And, and they were great people. Uh, actually, he was a, he was a pastor and, and uh, got a great chance to talk. But I remember sort of getting in that seat and then the, the gentleman just coming on and just kind of securing me. Like, I mean, I had, I had the, the, the mom right here, the, the wife right here just securing me right here. And the husband sat down and secured me. And, and, and I was just like, and I ate like this, you know, and drank like this. And we couldn't turn, we, we just talked to each other, just looking straight ahead, right? And, um, and the stu- I remember the stewardess came by, she goes, um, well, sir, can you, uh, can you get your seatbelt? I was like, ma'am, I can't find my seatbelt. I, I just, I don't know where it is. And I said, I think I'm okay. I think I'm pretty safe. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. When actuality, you could say I was safe, but I was actually kind of trapped, you know? We kind of trapped, and and so as as, as we talk about this this series, um, we could sometimes feel trapped, not have enough space, not have enough space. Some, sometimes when you when you travel in, in traffic and and you just don't feel like you have enough space, and you feel you feel trapped. Some people feel trapped in kind of where you live, and you need you need more space. Space gives us a mental freedom to be thoughtful on how we can live our lives. We make good choices when we have space. I believe that. 
It's the opposite of the pressure we have in our lives. So this series is about making sure you have enough space to be all that God wants you to be. This series is to make, see, make sure you have enough space to be all that God wants you to be. Today we're starting a brand new series that's all about making space. In fact, this is called simply Make Space. And so this series uh, will help us in our finances so that they don't restrict our ability to live the lives that God has called us to live. But I know a lot of times in our finances that we can feel trapped. Just like, well, I was trapped. Or just like one of our sons, he was trapped and he couldn't get where he was going. And it's easy to feel trapped. We don't have enough room and that impacts our ability to work, to rest, or even to think clearly. To have more financial space, we must understand the following things. Number one, everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. We're gonna look today at a parable, one of the parables of of Jesus uh, that you may be familiar with. This story, this story illustrates not only the beliefs of being a good steward, but also helps explain why financial management can be so challenging. As we walk through this parable, we're going to see a lot of big keys to understanding our money story and the fears in facing our financial future. The fears in our financial future. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. I'd encourage you to take your copy, your printed copy of God's Word or digital copy of God's Word. We'll have it on the screen as well. But we're going to be in Matthew. They're the first um, book there in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to take some time to actually read this entire parable. We're going to read this entire parable starting with verse 14. Verse 14, we're going to read all the way down to verse 30. So 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, and it reads like this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the um, uh, other five um, bags and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. 
So you know that I harvest, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has, who has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what, when they have, what they have will be taken away from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you may think, wow, that's a, that's a pretty harsh story. That's actually the words of Jesus. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a parable. And actually, I'll share more towards the, towards the end, but this parable actually has a, has a double meaning behind it. But today, right now, at this moment, we're going to talk about how, it, how we can learn from this regarding our finances. So what can we learn from this parable? What can we learn from this, this parable? We can learn to be entrusted with something means to be trusted to be entrusted with something means to be trusted. The master entrusted his resources to his servants. To be trusted with something means that, we, that someone trusts you with that object or with that task or whatever. In this case, in our case, God sees us as being worthy of his trust and has entrusted us with the skills, talents, and possessions. Remember, point number one in this series, in this message today is, you know, it all belongs to God. Nothing that I have belongs to us. It it all belongs to God. God sees us as worthy of his trust. It's kind of like a, you can use the illustration of a landlord versus a tenant. And landlord is someone who owns a property. A tenant is the one who manages it and maintains it. So if you, for instance, if you are renting out an apartment or renting a home or whatever, your job there is, is to take care of it, you know, uh, maybe there's an agreement that you, you know, you, you mow the grass. And, but you also, you know, put holes in the wall, right? You don't start fires inside the house. You know, you, you take care of the home. And the landlord is the one who owns it. The landlord is the one in, in, in charge of it. And sometimes there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom. Some days I, 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 I say, wow, I, I wish that I was just renting this place because there's a lot of honeydew things that's just keeping stacking up. I've got a list of them. And I just can't get to them all. I'm like, man, if I didn't own this house, the owner could take care of it. But there's, there's more pressure, obviously, with the landlord than with the tenant. God is a landlord of our money, our resources, everything. We, we even see this. You don't have to turn there, but this one verse, Psalm 24, 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's the Lord. He is the landlord. So even our talents and skills belong to God. Now, you may be thinking at this point, does God really own my money? Does he own the money that I work hard for? I mean, I work hard for this. I have to put up with people. If you're a teacher, I have to put up with kids. Or, or, or you're just having to get up early. And, and if, if you work, it's like, that's my money. I worked hard for that. Is he, is he really, are you really saying that God owns my money? If you think about it, whatever you do to earn money is also a gift from God. Everything you and I do, everything we have to be able to earn that money is a gift from God. The talents, the skills, 
And even the opportunities that allow you to earn money are only yours because God willed it, or God ordained it, or God gave it to you. He's been our silent partner and our investor our whole life. The fact that everything belongs to God is great news for us today. When we let that sink in, that we are just here to manage a property, our lives, not be the owner, it can be a relief. It can be a relief. There's nothing wrong with you driving in your car and the radiator bust or you have major car issues and you say, well, God, this isn't my car. This is your car. And because it's your car, I'm asking you to take care of it. Now, if you show me how I can do this, I'm going to manage this car. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do well. Now, obviously, if you're, not, if you're not changing the oil like you should or taking care of putting air in the tires and, and, and that kind of stuff, you're not managing the car well, well, that's your fault. But sometimes things go wrong, okay? Air conditioner goes out in the house. Lord, this is your air conditioner. This is your air conditioner. I need you to take care of this. I've shared with you last few months when our ministry center was in three separate buildings on our land and the rain was coming, torrential rains and, and plastic was kind of hiding it and shielding it from the rain. And I was like, Lord, this is yours. This, this is, you're the one who told us to do this. You need to take care of this building. I'm going to do everything I can, but you need to take care of it. And guess what? He did. It belongs to the Lord. Everything in it belongs to him. There's a freedom in that. There's a freedom. God, God, this is your job. You're the one that gave this to me. This belongs to you. You could even transfer it over to our kids. I've shared that. I've I've prayed that prayer many times. Lord, that that kid is yours. (laughs) That kid is yours. (laughs) So do what you want to with them, right? So sometimes we can feel that God has entrusted us with Things that are not sufficient. When we are struggling, and it's hard to think of the, the, of the, of the, uh, of the little blessings that he's given to us. It's hard to, to think of the little things that God has given to us. And we think, okay, is it really enough? But God is the best provider. He's Jehovah Jireh, the best provider. We see this in, in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So do not worry. This is Jesus saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, this passage of scripture is a scripture that I read to my wife when I asked her to marry me. On the night that I asked her to marry me, I read this scripture. It's not, I mean, you would think it'd be something from like Song of Solomon, you know, or Proverbs or Psalms, you know, that kind of stuff. But this, this like, this isn't romantic. No, it's not really romantic. But what it does is, I told her this, look, uh, I may not be able to provide everything, but I know someone who will. And I'm going to follow him. And I know you will too. And we're going to follow him together. We're going to trust in him together. And he's going to take care of it. There's going to be times when it feels like that our backs are against the wall and we don't have what we need. But he is the best provider. He is our Jehovah Jireh. And he will take care of it. As we accept this idea of every good thing coming from God, it makes space to really live in gratitude for what we have. And what an honor it is to to live in that. What an honor it is to know that we are not owners, but we're managers. 
There's a gratitude. Lord, thank you for giving. How many, how many of you have been in this situation? If you haven't, and it's really hard to get to that. If your car's broken down or your air conditioner's uh, broken at home, it, just to say, God, thank you for allowing me to have this car. I thank you, Lord, for giving us air conditioner. You have this gratitude. And the more that we have gratitude with that, then the more he takes ownership. Because I believe, it's just my experience, I believe that the more we push it up to God and we give God thanks and praise and gratitude for that, the more he takes that ownership. Because I believe that as we fight with God and we say, no, this, this is mine. I worked hard for this. God's like, all right. Let's see how that works. And he taps his foot. See how that works. And it, it doesn't really work out that way. Now you may say, well, Frank, there's lots of very rich people, with a lot of money, and they, don't, and they don't follow God. Yeah, there are. But you don't know what holes in their heart. You know? And you know this. Money's not going to solve our problems. We've kind of need it to take care of things. The things that who has given to you? God. God has given that to you. So it all belongs to God. We are not owners, but we are managers. So when you walk in your house today, when you sit at your table, when you lie in your bed, say, God, this bed's not yours. This bed, I mean, this bed's not mine, it's yours. You're the one that, that has given this bed. You know, you're, this house, this house is yours. This isn't mine, I'm gonna manage it. When you drive home today, Lord, thank you for this car, for this truck, whatever. You are the one who gave this to me. And I you're the owner, and I'm just a manager. Have gratitude for that. So we learn that everything belongs to God. The second thing we, we learn in this parable is God wants me, God wants us to be a good manager. He wants us to be a good manager. So the first key is embracing the truth, and it, it, all, it all belongs to God. But the, again, the second truth, he wants us to be a good manager. So look back at, at that 25, Matthew 25, verse 19. Verse 19, it says this, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. God wants us to be good stewards of his gifts here on earth. The first step of that we already, we've already done. We've entrusted him to be the good master. He is. It, it all belongs to you. Trust him. He's a good master. The next step is to be good stewards of his gifts. Everything that he's given to us. Not just money. Not just possession. But our life our resources, our talents, our abilities, all of that. This is something that we can learn to do better. It goes beyond being good with numbers or, or, or being an entrepreneur or having an uh, unnatural understanding of, of hedge funds. It goes beyond that. Becoming a good manager of our finances and our resources is being a good steward of God's gifts, something we need to be diligent about improving on every day. But luckily, God also gives us wisdom and guidance and how to be good managers. But before we talk about what the parable teaches about good managers, we're about to go to that. How, so how do you be a good manager? That's in the parable too. But let's look at, let's look at verse 24 in this same chapter, Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 through 25. Let's go back to that two verses. We're gonna look at the third servant. And it says this. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid. 
and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Fear of judgment, fear of judgment made him hesitate to fail. He didn't want to fail. Fear of judgment made him hesitate to fail. Fear of failure is what caused him to play it safe. I just want to, I don't have a lot, so I just want to keep it safe. I don't want to fail, so I want to keep it safe. And fear of loss or fear of losing that made him hesitant to take risks. When you only have one, it seems like more to lose. (laughs) When you only have one, you only had one bag of gold. So most of us have felt like this servant at one point, one time or another. Whether we've been through a lot or a little, we can find ourselves acting out in fear of judgment, fear of failure, or fear of loss when we make choices about our finances. So the way to reduce that fear is to bring them to light, is to understand where we are with our finances. And so it doesn't matter really how much money you're making. That's not really, that's not really the point. It's, about how, it's how you are managing that. And so we want to bring our fears to light. We can find ourselves acting out of fear of judgment, fear of failure, Fear of loss when we make choices about our finances. So we need to be honest. We need to be willing to talk about our finances. This isn't just about how much money you have. It's about how we manage it. So let me ask you some of these questions. There's five sort of options here. I want you to, I want you to think about that. I'm going to a- ask you some of these questions or give you these five different scenarios. I want you to think about maybe which one you are at right now in your life. So option number one. I require financial assistance to get by. I require financial assistance to get by. Okay, it could be you. It could be someone listening or watching online. Our church helps to take, take care of people that in our community that if, if they come to us and, and we have the means to do that and we have a system in place and we have a stewardship team that, you know, uh, uh, you know approves the process of that and, or not. And so what we do is we, we help those people, but that could be you. I require financial assistance to get by. Another option, this could be you. I'm struggling to keep up with day-to-day expenses. I struggle to keep up with day-to-day expenses. Option number three could be you. I am able to make ends meet. So you, you, have, you have just enough. Like, hey, this, we, we got it, yay, <laughs> Right? Option number four, I'm able to make ends meet and have some left over. Okay? I have some left over. I may be able to tuck some stuff away. Maybe put it, you know, put it in, in some funds or retirement or just put it in my bank account. Save it for a rainy day when things go bad. Or option number five, I have more than I need for myself and my money and my, and my family. I have more than I need for myself and my family. And really... <laughs> That should be all of us in option number five when it comes to not necessarily money, but all that he's given to us. I have more than I need for my family and myself and everything. But if you're just talking about money and you're just talking about dollars and cents, it could be that, you know, I, maybe, maybe that is you. But, but it's important that we understand where we are financially, where you are financially, is to, to be able to look and see and to observe that so that you know how to move on. Because knowledge 
helps us to that. Acknowledging where we are means that we are able to focus on what we need in our lives right now and have realistic goals that we can live in gratitude. So like if you're spending like someone who has more than enough, but you're really someone who barely gets by, then something's wrong. Something's not lining up. You just got to be honest and realize, okay, where, where am I right now in this season of my life? And to be able to identify that is huge. Maybe you need to learn or, or maybe you can lean on some friends and family members or church for support and help you identify that. If you sign up for, that, for those, one of those three workshops of more than money workshops, you're going to go through some of that. You're going to be able to identify where you, are, where you are and where you need to go and some steps for that. So knowing where we are is huge. But how do we, how do we embrace faith over fear? How do we embrace that faith over fear? Because it's so easy to walk in fear. God entrusted you with what you have for a reason. God has wisdom to help you to be a great manager. Increasing our financial wisdom is a tool that God helps us. Now, we're going to, we're going to look at some specific ways that this parable talks about and what God's word talks about on how to be a good manager. So, how do we become a good manager? Again, before we figure out how we become a good manager, we gotta see where we are financially. What stage are you? Be honest with it. And look at it carefully. Look at it carefully. Don't be afraid to, to look at your bank account. It's okay. That's living in fear. That's living in fear. Look at your bank account. I know someone's like, oh, I don't know, looking at it on your phone or computer. And, but just be honest. So what does the Bible say about being a good manager? First of all, we see uh, use what we've been given. We've got to use what we've been given. Despite the fact that each of the good servants got different amounts, it was really only the behavior of acting in faith and being a good manager that the master cared about. Do you see how the master was the same reward or the same encouraging words to the guy who had 10 bags of gold from the guy who had five, guy, five bags of gold? Each man, each person was able to bring back and invest and, and bring back more. And it wasn't because, oh man, you've, you, brought back, you brought back 10 more bags of gold. That's That's amazing. You brought back five, that's good. No, it was the same. It was the same response from the master. So it's not about the amount. It's not about the different amount. It's about your behavior of acting in faith and being a good manager of what you have. So how do we apply biblical wisdom in everyday life? No, we gotta know our flocks and herds. We gotta know our flocks and herds. Riches can disappear fast, so, so, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. The reason I say that because we, we see it in Proverbs chapter 27, verse, 30, uh, verse 23 to 24. Proverbs 27 says this, uh, uh, chapter 27, verse 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. You've got to know where your money is going. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't really do this well. I don't. 
I know we've, we've got some money in retirement, and, every, and, and they say, you know, you don't, don't really look at those too much. Just let them be and, and stuff. But I haven't really looked at them in a long time. But I need to make sure that, that I, I, you know, they're, they're in the right place and maybe talk to our, our, the, the company that's handling our retirement and, and make sure I have those conversations. But count your flocks and your herds. And, and, and understand what you have. Take inventory of that. Watch closely. Whether it's flocks or herds or checking your account or savings account, God wants us to pay attention to how we, um, we, what we're using, what he's given to us. Remember, we are managers of what he's given to us. And so we need to make sure that we watch closely. He doesn't call us to be accountants. Thank God, I'm not an accountant. He doesn't call us to be an accountant but he does ask us all to be able to give an account. There's a difference. He doesn't ask us to be an accountant, but he does ask us to give an account for what we've, had, what we've done, just like the masters did in this, in this parable, okay? And that, that goes beyond just money. But obviously, we're using this as an example for this money series. So we need to watch our flocks and herds. We need to be careful with that. We need to pay very close attention. Every financial decision, as, I, as I've learned, and, and this is scripture, every financial decision is, is really a spiritual decision. It's an opportunity. Every financial decision is a spiritual decision. I believe that when you give a tithe to the Lord and you give to the Lord first reach your increase, to me, that is a holy offering. Not just me, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. It's, it's an offering. It's holiness to God. We're giving that to you, God. Remember when I talked about Joshua a few weeks ago in the Joshua series, and they, they, they raided Jericho after the walls came down, and God says, don't take the devoted things. No one take of those. I want all of those, the first city you come to, I want all of those put in the treasury of the temple. No one take that. It's the first battle. I want that. And so it became a holy offering to the Lord, to the temple. The next city, the next town, God's like, hey, take what you want. Okay? And so when you give a tithe to the Lord, that is a holy moment. But here's what I believe. That tithe to the Lord is connected. That money from you, it's connected to your other money. And I believe it makes all of that holy. It makes all of it holy. So what are we doing with the other part of that money? I say if you give, you give it a 10% to the Lord, first fruit, first increase, it makes a 90% holy. So when you spend that money, you say, okay, what am I spending it on? Is this something that the Lord approves is this something that God would, would allow? And so it just makes all of your finances holy because it's, it's all connected. And, and it makes every financial decision more of a, of a spiritual decision. More of a spiritual decision because it is all connected. And also every financial decision reveals how we see money. How we manage resources speaks volume about whether we have really put our trust in God or things for the security of happiness. Have we trusted God 
or have we trusted in ourselves? The way we spend the money. So, we know that everything belongs to God, and he wants us to be good managers of the things he's given to us, because he owns it. This brings us to our last key point, to having more financial space, and that's really the encouraging part. Here's the encouraging part. The freedom that comes with being a good manager. Here it is. God will reward good managers. God will reward good managers. We saw that in the parable. It's scripture. When we read the end of the parable, God is saying, you've done such a great job with a little, but I'm give, that I've given you, I'm going to trust you with even more. I'm going to entrust you with even more. You've been so faithful. Again, it's not, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with it, how you manage it. Because we get people watching online or, or people in the room that we've got all different kind of spectrums of, of people with, in financial situations. But it doesn't matter the amount. It matters what we are doing and how we are managing that. The, um, those who have done well will be blessed with additional resources. With additional resources. He knows our strengths and weaknesses. He's not going to ask us to handle uh, more than what we are able. He's going to say, you know what? I've, I've given you this. You've, you've managed that well. And now I'm going I'm to bless you with even more. I've seen in, in, in countless lives of people that I've known over the past several years. We've even seen it in our own lives of that. As we have been faithful to give to, to, the, to the Lord a, 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 a 10% throughout our years. And I don't, I don't, I don't say that proudly because it, it's, just, it's just something that the Lord has, has given uh, us conviction with. And it's just something that we just continue to do. And we say, you know what, Lord? It's yours. In fact, recently, God has been dealing with my heart about my personal tithe here at Lake Point Church. Now, no one, no one really told me to do this. I've never heard of, uh, I'm sure there's other ministers that may do this. I don't, I don't know. But over the past several months, God's like, you know, you give a tithe. And you, you, Suzanne has, you know, has, has an income. And I've given that to her, that job. And, and she gives a tithe uh, to the church. And, and what, you know, the, the funds that, the, the, you know, that you get from, you know, compensation for being a pastor, you get that and you pay the tithes in the end of the church. But, you know, I don't. I don't want your tithe going into the general fund. I want it to go to a different account. So we have a different account, separate bank account, and it's our community account. It's a community account that takes care of benevolence, uh, backpack buddies, um, other things that, that people need in our community. And God has convicted me and I didn't want to do this at first. I, I had to like, okay, Lord, are you sure about this? <laughs> God's like, no, I want you to take your tithe. And I want you to designate it and put it into that account. Because I don't want any of your tithes coming back to you. Because I don't, I don't get compensated from that account. It's a separate account. And so I felt really convicted that I needed to do that. And so... I've done that for the past, I think, three tithes. 
And it's scary. It is. I mean, just knowing, God, are you, are you sure? And let me tell you what. Ever since then, there's just been more freedom. Because there's been more trust. Because none of that dime is going to come back to me in compensation. It all goes to people who need it. And it goes directly to that. And so, it, I'm walking. <laughs> I'm walking in, in an area in my life that I, I've, I've really never, I've never been in. But it's okay. Because I know God is going to take care of it. God is going to give me, and he has, more greater trust. And that's what it was about. When you and I are good managers with the money he's given to us and the resources, he gives us the gift of trust. Hey, you've done great. Now, I'm going to trust you with more. I'm going to trust you. I trust you. And in return, I'm able to trust him. God has asked me to do something different. I trust in him. And I believe that he's going to continue to trust me on that. I hope. That's my hope and my prayer. So even if, even if suddenly we have more money that, that, that God has blessed us with, when we aren't afraid of facing our finances, it takes less room in our lives. So God blesses us with, with space for more. When we have space, when we have room in our lives, room in our finances, we can walk in freedom. We don't feel shackled. We don't feel like we're snug tight between two seats. We don't feel trapped. We feel like there's space in our finances. And God gives that to us. He gives us space. He trusts us more. You want to be trusted by God? Be a good manager of his finances. And he will trust you with it, and he will give you more space, more margin. And then we also see the gift of gratitude. The gift of gratitude. Thankfulness, gratitude, and praise in various forms will start to creep into our life from every angle. You'll start to see God as your provider in everything. It just opens up. It opens up just a whole nother realm. How you realize, again, it's not the amount. It has nothing to do with the amount. I know in our economy, our economy is different than God's economy. It has nothing to do with the amount. It all boils down to whatever God has given to us. How do we manage that? And if we are faithful and we are good managers to that, and we're going to talk more about this over the next three weeks, this three-week series, lots of good stuff coming up. And you'll learn even more at the workshop more than money workshop, but lots of good stuff that's coming up. But when you and I, when we are good managers of that, God will give us gratitude, give us joy. Baba talks about be, becoming a cheerful giver. I believe you become a cheerful giver as you are faithful to be a good steward of all that God has given to you. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, Frank, I just, it's, it's difficult, Frank. I just, I'm in that, I'm in that, that stage of life where I just don't really have the means to, to make, make ends meet. I don't, I don't have the resources. And you know what? That's okay. You realize it. But God is asking you, hey, whatever I've given you, let's be a good resource of that. Let's be a good manager of that resource. You'll find yourself thankful for what you get to keep 
and for what you get to give. Your finances will no longer stress you, but instead, they'll continually point you back to loving your heavenly Father who has given all of this. So God owns it all. That, when you realize that, when we realize that God owns it all, that, that weight can be lifted off our shoulder. Just in the past maybe year, maybe two years, I, I've started to realize more and more, God, the, the, the pressures of, of the church, of the finances of the church, Lord, that's, that's all you. It's your church. I'm just trying to be a good steward of that. Yeah, we received a free building for our ministry center, we, but we want to be good stewards of that, and we are. And I, I believe God's going to continue to bless that. We're having great conversations with the city of Emerson. We're going to be sharing some more things in the month of October about our property that I can't, we cannot wait to share with, with you. And it all boils down to, I believe God is, is giving us more and he's given us opportunity, not necessarily money, but he's given us favor. He's giving us joy. He, he, he's sending his spirit more in stronger ways. I see it in, your, in, in, in how people are having conversations. As I'm talking in conversations with you, his spirit is moving in great ways. He's giving us so much more. Why? Because I believe as a church we've been good stewards of what he's given to us. And we cannot wait to share in October some of the things that God has been doing. So it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Let that, let that weight be released off your shoulders. But it doesn't matter the amount. We've just got to be good managers. We've got to be good managers. And we're going to continue to talk through more of that. But you've got to you got to be honest about where you are financially. It, sometimes those meetings are tough. If you want someone in, the, in our church, if you want us to help you with that, we can. We have people in our church who kind of understand that better, okay? Now, that, that may not be me, but it's not me. <laughs> That's not my, my gift in this. But there are, there are people in our church who understand that, and they can sit down with you and say, all right, this is, this is where you're at. And this is, let's, let's see about how we can better manage that money. So you can give all glory and honor to God for that. It's not about the amount. It's about how we're managing it. And then the more we manage, the more that God gives us gratitude and joy. And we become that cheerful giver, that joyful giver. You know, I, I go back to the illustration that I started this as I close I go back to, the, to that seat that I sat between the pastor and his wife. You know, I told the, the stewardess, I'm safe. I'm good. When in actuality, I, I was kind of trapped. And you may think, you can deal with your finances. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. You may say, well, I've, I've got to build up this for my money just so I can feel safe. That's fine and all. But sometimes that safety can turn into you being trapped. You being trapped by always wanting to get more. We'll talk more about that next week. But as we, as we close, I, I, 
I need to let you know something with this parable. This parable has a double meaning. He's talking about finances and, and stewardship and all that stuff. But he's really, he's really talking about heaven. He's talking about heaven. Heaven will be like, or the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here on earth as well. He's not just waiting in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's the Lord's prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. Earth is just a dark place. There we go. So earth, earth is a, a, just a mirror. Earth is just a mirror of what is in heaven. And so the more that we are able to, to bring heaven on earth, the more we, we realize what heaven can be like. Now, heaven's going to be wonderful. But Jesus said heaven is like, or the kingdom of God here on earth is like a man who had three servants and ten bags of gold, five bags of gold, and one bag of gold. God has entrusted you with lots of things. And it's not just money. He's entrusted you with people, whether it be children, people in your life, at work, other members of your family. He's entrusted you with that. So parents, he's entrusted you with those children. Fathers, Husbands, he's entrusted you with your wife, with your kids. Even those, even those who aren't married, he's entrusted you with people in your life, other family members in your life. He's entrusted you with resources. And so God is saying this, look, don't go, don't go bury it. Don't go bury it. Bring your family to church. And, and bring the scripture into your family. Pray with your spouse. Pray with people at work. Ask people at work, how can I pray for you? People at work should be able to come to you. People at work should know that you will pray for them. If not, you need to get the word out. And that's okay. You could do that. There's nothing wrong with that. How can I pray for you? You ask someone that? Nine out of ten times, if not more, they are, they are going to, someone's going to give you some sort of answer. Okay? So, whether it's about money or other resources, your abilities, your time, your gifts, all of that, you want to further the kingdom of God. You want to use that. Don't go bury it. Don't go bury it. And so, but first you got to make sure you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And the way to do that is just ask the Lord, ask Jesus, Jesus, I need you to come inside me. I need you to be Lord of my life. Then you're able to manage that money in a more godly way. The illumination of, of your money will be more spiritual. It will be less about finances. It'll be more about what God wants to do in your life. So if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior... It just simply takes this, Lord, Jesus, I'm just not doing good with what you've given to me. I, I just, I, I need some help. First of all, I need you to be Lord of my life. I need you to be my Savior. So just everyone, head bowed, eyes closed, if you don't mind, as we close this out. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you. We ask you, Lord, that you, thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us about, about the kingdom 
and about what we need to do with our, our resources. And I pray, Lord, you give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to walk in good stewardship of that, to be good managers of everything you've given to us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's people here today or watching or listening online, Lord, if they've not stepped that, uh, walked that step of faith of just coming to, to you and, and, and surrender, I pray, Lord, that they would surrender to you wholly, Lord, and that everything they have, they would realize, Lord, I surrender to you. And I pray, Lord, that, that you just teach us, teach us, Father, to, to walk in trust and in faith, not fear. It's not about the amount. It's about what we do with it. And Lord, give us gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So when you leave in your car today, when you get in your car, say, thank you, God. Thank you for giving, us, giving me this car. You own it. You own, now, if you need to go fill it with gas, you need to get, take care of it. Oil, you need to take care of it. Yeah, but it all belongs to you, God. It all belongs to you. So, uh, don't forget to go to that um, lakepornonline.com forward slash connect. Sign up for more than money. Uh, there's three opportunities to do that. And you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. See you all later.